check make sure that it's been hit like and that was that was my failure as well it's well, not let me just let me just absolve myself i've never been the recorder never will be the recorder <laughs> um I mean, yeah so uh, in a certain way it's my fault because i am the one who always presses it but i didn't press it in a certain way it's it's nobody's fault and everyone's fault yeah it's yeah it's def- but it's definitely not matthew's fault do you know that I, well yeah <laughs> I don't know. It's Matthew's fault for talking to us, and sharing such for taking it, for taking for a for shot being, on, a, on an upstart group of kids like us, for being so generous he'll with his time. It, he'll and, never and do it again. He'll never do it again. But um, um, yeah. So so maybe wait. we should before we get going, um, just kind of uh, hit pause and say that uh, we um not on the recording up. though. Not on the recording. Don't up. press pause on the recording. <laughs> we fucked up. We uh. We uh, did what we hear, and um, what we've noticed is is, is kind of a, a necessary um, constitutive step for for a new podcast, which is recording an entire episode without recording it. Um, we did a full interview with Matthew uh, Flesbeter. Yeah, we did the whole thing. We talked about um, Zizek and film, and uh, Matthew walked us through his book, The Symbolic, The Sublime, and Slavoj Zizek's Theory of Film that he wrote in 2012, and it was a fantastic conversation, and we got off, we were all feeling good, and we noticed that we didn't record it. So it was, we're all kind of processing that that trauma right now. Yeah, and so we're we're going to try again and, and hopefully fail better, as our boy likes to say. Yeah, they, yeah, we, say, um, it's a, they say it's like the rite of passage, the, the bar bat mitzvah of podcasting, but I, I still would have liked to have not had to... Uh... Not to have. Yeah, I was a little, I was feeling a little cocky recently that that it hadn't happened to us. I was, I, I had remembered that was a thing and was like, oh, we haven't done that yet. Um, yeah. So we just want to say, uh, sorry to Matthew and thank you to Matthew for having joined us. And we hope to um, be able to speak with him uh, again and actually record it next time. Well, one thing that we did say in the episode that we'll we'll never we'll never get back, but that I think bears being said again. Uh, about Matthew's book is that it even separate from it being a discussion about film. And of course, film is what, what, what we learn from reading this book is that film is something that is intimate. Like it's an intimate part of Zizek's style of intervention in theory in, in general, but Definitely. even bracketing, even bracketing film, like Matt's book is an incredible summary of, Zizek, Zizek's thought. Also, I've never really experienced such a concise explanation of Lacanian theory. Mm-hmm. He and it's that's really the sign. Fantastic. That's the sign of true, like I think, theoretical skill and like a sign of a good teacher is someone who can make like the impossible, <laughs> the impenetrable uh, Lacan uh, sensible and easy mm-hmm. to digest. So, like, 
I, what's interesting made, is that you he made Lacan fun for me. Exactly. Well, and and like we're often like we even we've asked ourselves this, and we're often asked like, what's the best introduction to Zizek's thought? And I, I this is like at least the introduction to to Matt's book, uh, which once again is the uh, the sublime uh, the symbolic the sublime and Zizek's film theory. Like this is a very good introduction to what what Zizek's up to. Um, that and also the whole world of uh, the greater world of Marcus theory and kind of where it is at. He, he intertwines a lot of Frederick Jameson's um, type of critique in there. And it, similarly, also a really fantastic um, description of that intertwining yeah, good, it with good primer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. So uh, we're all, yeah. So it, it really sucks that we lost that. However, um, we all felt like we wanted to nonetheless um, uh, do another dive into this book and have a discussion about it. And also, uh, I think I, I remember this, that, that we haven't done this one yet. Uh, introduce ourselves. We, we gave it a shot recently, but, but maybe we'll, we'll formally kick off the episode and I'll say, hi, I'm Peter and I'm joined by. Uh, William. Hello. And I am Jacob. Or James. Okay. So, so and, we gave that a shot. It was a little stilted, but and, we can try and, it again next time. Um, yeah, so uh, maybe we can, we can try and turn the questions we had format that he answered so generously for us uh, to ourselves, do a bit of a Stalinist self-critique and um, self-introspection, see if we can drum up our, our uh, deep, latent memories of what, of what Matthew said to us and try and trying to reformulate them for this episode. Sounds good. Well, I remember when we, when we went, when in preparing for this episode, I actually asked the, you know, the sort of the fundamental philosophical, why film? Mm -hmm. What, like, what's, what's film, how does film play in here? And, and I think with Zizek, there's this understanding that from the outset that film we came to Zizek, almost three of us, organically through the idea of his of him being a film theorist, of him being yeah, a basically, yeah. I think that's, that's how most people encounter him. Yeah. I read a I came across an article he wrote for The Guardian, and this was probably in 2013. And I went home that night, and I I, I said to Jake that uh, you know have you heard of this guy Zizek? He's he's talking about Benjamin and Adorno, and you were like, oh yeah, well he's a he's a film theorist mostly. And you told me about his movie, The Perverse Guide to Ideology. Um, actually, The Perverse Guide to Cinema, which is the one that came out beforehand, yeah. um, which, we, which we revisited for this episode. And it is an absolutely fantastic movie. It's and brilliant. it's not, it's brilliant. And it's not just, I mean, it's not just an, a good movie. It's a really interesting way of, of explicating and, and really um, exemplifying in a, very, in a very obvious way. Uh, what Zizek, what Zizek's interventions in films are doing through the films themselves. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's two and a half hours of like straight critique of ideology. Like it's just it, uncut. It's uncut, just critique to ideology of ideology rather. And, and it's, yeah, exactly. It's like he is, we, I mean, the way that the film is made is that it actually visualizes Zizek's style of intervention is that we have him within the thing theorizing and you know what was interesting about matt talking to matt is that he actually and we'll get to this divide but the difference between the materialist and the idealist use of examples is that he actually mm -hmm. described 
the short circuit that I think is present in in the Pervert's Guide to Cinema as the idealist approach. That the, I thought the movies were actually materialist, but but anyway. Uh, yeah, an example of of not only how great the films are, but I think of the idealist approach that you were just mentioning is in Pervert's Guide to Cinema. He's talking about the um, uh, Hitchcock film Psycho, and you know he he he's placed in the basement. He's talking about how the film, the kind of psychological components of the film. And then um, he, through talking about Psycho and, and talking about the, um, the, uh, the, the functioning of the, of the ego and the id and uh, the superego and all that, he starts talking about the um, Francis Ford Coppola film, The Conversation, which, if anyone hasn't seen, is a truly incredible film. But he, mm-hmm. he moves to that film and then draws a connection between the bathroom scene in the conversation and the bathroom scene in psycho. So it's not like we're, we're entering psycho to kind of truly understand. Um, I think Norman Bateman is the, is the, yes. um, yeah, yeah is the killer in that movie. We're not trying to un- understand his motivations, but we're understanding how the filmic, um, psychoanalytical example that he's using isn't isn't movie specific but is expressed in movies so the idea Mm -hmm. that he's expressing is manifested concretely through the films but is not merely like reducible to those films right where zizek is using the films to explain ideas you know in psychoanalysis and i think i think with film foremost it's psychoanalysis that he's sort of short-circuiting these films to explain various theories but He's not, um, his film theory doesn't advance necessarily the form of film theory. He doesn't talk about mm. the form of film theory, but he, but it's very content based. It's very specific to the actual movies, to the directors, to what we're seeing in the actual image itself of the film, as opposed to advancing a, a theory on like, on the, the, yeah, like I said, the form of film It's content first. And, and yeah, so, yeah, but it's also it, it's, I mean, it's I interesting know, actually, because I think it's sorry, go ahead. I, I was gonna say it is, but uh, that's somewhat in 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 distinction to what I just said, but I don't think that they're necessarily contradictory. It's just that it is like filmmaker specific. Obviously, he's really into Hitchcock and Lin- David Lynch. Um, but it's in so far as those filmmakers, not even not even in a knowing way on their own part, but express um psychological psychoanalytical um uh uh, concepts so like Mm -hmm. it is it is that switch and i think that exact switch from film from the the like focus on the example to the filmmaker to the to the greater concept is very much that short circuit that that we've generally been in dialogue with in relation to zizek's work well i think um maybe we can get more into that distinction a bit later on but um just going back to the opening question, Jake, uh, why film? Mm-hmm. And I think we were, I think we were passing by the, by the answer there a little bit, or we we're exam, you know, getting the contours of it. But I think he presents his, or, or what I take to be one of his arguments for film or for analyzing film with theory, or perhaps the other way around, uh, at, at the near the beginning of Pervert's Guide to Cinema. Um, and he's talking about the matrix the, the the famous scene where Morpheus is presenting Neo with the, the two pills, the red pill and the blue pill. And the one represents illusions, um, the matrix, and the one represents reality. 
Um, and Zizek says, I want a third pill. And he says, the reality in illusion itself. And I think that phrase, the reality in illusion itself, which he expands upon by, by describing as the need to fiction reality, I think that is cinema. Oh, yeah, that's, exactly. that is cinema. Yeah. So it's that, the most brilliant articulation of it I've, I've heard. It's just so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and he, he goes on and he says, we humans are not naturally born into reality. We are integrated into a symbolic space. And for Zizek, cinema is, I mean, I, I mean, it's a bit different now, arguably, with video games and with TV especially, but particularly with the 20th century, I mean, what is a better or what is a more central medium than film uh, for integrating us into a symbolic space collectively? Yeah, and yeah. and what and what Matthew adds, or rather uh, uh, teases out with Zizek, is that it like fundamentally his engagement with film is about the critique of ideology, and film is such a such a great manifestation of that approach because it simultaneously is like ideology par excellence. If you look at you know say the Marvel movies for instance, um, but it's also perfectly utilized to um, express a critique of ideology as well. Right, but I, and this is a distinction also that at the beginning of or this, the first chapter of Matthew's book, he's just, he's talking about the history of film criticism and even more specifically about Lacanian film criticism and how in the 60s and 70s and 80s it was very much um, focused on a kind of critique of ideology, wherein the ideology is expressed through the film as the as a like yeah an like example the, the of. Feminist. The feminist critique, for well, instance. Well, there's yeah, exactly histor- yeah. It's it's hor- his historiography versus historicism, right? So, like mm-hmm. historical examples of the predominant ideology are critiqued versus a critique of ideology as such, right? Which it's is exactly. what G- right, yeah. which is what I think you were going for. I think That's like and what lurks behind behind Zizek's formula there is I think the Lacanian, you know, that reality is structured like a fiction. And I think that what cinema does is that we have a very like the trifecta, the Lacanian trifecta of symbolic, imaginary, and the real. I think that cinema actually hinges as a as a as a as a between the symbolic order and the real. We have cinema, which is the imaginary, and I think that 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 they're like, I think that that lurks behind this sort of. Um, what, what, can you go over it again? That what what Zizek says at the beginning of the film that. That's so brilliant. The choice between illusions and reality, and the third pill is reality in illusions itself, or in illusion itself. Exactly, and I think it's, that so that's it's very the much, yeah. Sorry, it's it's very much in in accordance with what we've been discussing more generally with Zizek in terms of like, um, especially what he's what we what we explored in the sublime object of ideology. But like, there's no non-symbolic approach to the world, right? Like, we we're not. We like we don't have mm-hmm. this way of stepping out outside of our symbolic universe and like seeing like reality as it is. But what's so interesting in the way that film is expressed is like film doesn't have to be like factually true in order to be in order to express like you know um, key emotional or you know political truths about mm-hmm. about the world and about yourself. Like no one if you if you're truly experiencing the kind of art of film. You're not gonna realize like, hey, wait a minute, that was made up. That wasn't, you know, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't believe that anymore. It's like it's the true like effects of film that it can have on you is is impacting that symbolic world that you inhabit. Well, I'm really glad you brought up the word true because or or truth because 
it feels like the the traditional critique of ideology is one in which we is if we can strip back fiction and illusion enough we will be exposed to the capital T truth right to to what's really going on which i think is the di- the dichotomy between the red and the blue pill and this mm-hmm, third exactly. pill is actually understanding you know why truth is always structured as a fiction originally right is that that third yeah, pill yeah. is that the even this this the notion of of stripping back illusion to get to truth is to only understand that the, the truth that we get to is always already structured as another illusion, as a more original illusion. And this is yeah. like, it's like, so film on some level allows us to engage with the real or the quilting point behind any truth claim that 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 operates within any ideological system, right? And like, so it's like, yeah. film is this, so why film? I mean, <laughs> why not film? Film, <laughs> but but really, like the like I remember thinking when we when we wanted to prepare for this episode, I was like, oh right, you know, maybe we should ask even why Zizek has such a. Pri- I think he privileges film, right? I think anyone Definitely. who reads his books learns that film is is a is a privileged medium, and I think Peter, you're right in saying that it's privileged in its access to ideology as such. Mm-hmm. It allows us to critique ideology as such, in, in because it is the uh, the reality in the illusion, right? Yeah. Um, the the third pill is is dialectical materialism, folks. But we, <laughs> we can we can save that for the end. It's a jagged um, pill too. As well. <laughs> That's what Alanis Morissette was also talking about. Yeah, I'm fucking skippy. Yeah. <laughs> Which I actually I've revisited got that. <laughs> and the other one is watching. I, I never listened to that album before, and I checked it out recently. Man, it fucking slams. It slaps. It bangs. It's great. It's a good album. What, what do you mean that Alanis Morissette is talking about dialectical materialism? Uh, oh, just, uh, her album is called Jagged Little Pill, which is what Oh, okay, 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 okay. I don't know if, if swallowing a jagged pill is actually, like, a, a phrase or an expression, but I get it purely from Alanis, so shout out to it's, her. It's like... Uh, um, oh, okay, what were we talking about in terms of... Okay, so I think, well, I think we're like, I think we're now onto the, the discussion as to like f- the relationship between film and ideology, because mm-hmm. that's right. The- and I just want to actually, if I can just jump on that for a second, I think that the idea that films function ideologically uh, is not a new concept to anyone. Um, and to me, like a, a great example of that is like, uh, well, the, the very typical kinds of critiques you might see in the media these days about films as being, you know, the Joker is an incel movie or this movie is misogynistic. Or one of my more favorite examples is uh, the involvement of the of the actual CIA in the production of many American films, um, films like or TV shows like Jack Ryan and the many CIA films that came out when we were younger um, are very obviously functions of the ideological hegemony of the CIA in the United States um, that, that are quite literally bankrolled by them and by the military. Um, but this is not the type of ideology that Zizek is talking about in films. Yeah, I mean, and, there's there's the classic example from They Live. I'm sure everyone, that might have been, you know, most people's first in- encounter with Zizek talking about ideology, where, um, you know, the, the scene where, where the two men, uh, 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 John Nada is fighting with his construction worker friend um, about, about, um, you know, putting on the, the critique of ideology glasses. And then, uh, uh, John Nada says like, you know, either put these on or you're going to eat from that trash can. And then like suddenly you just pop. So he's like, we are all eating from a trash can all the time, trash can of ideology. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the, the approach to ideology that film gives us, 
it's like, it's like yeah it, it's not it's not merely that films are ideological and it's not and it's not that um films uh necessarily are intentionally so right like like the yeah. whole thing with zizek and, and directors it's not like like hitchcock was a lacanian marxist psychoanalysis you know critique of ideolo- ideology guy um yeah. but rather we can we can like like take something out of out of uh, Hitchcock, which is, you know, nonetheless already there, but there's something expressed that isn't about intent because, mm-hmm. um, the, the critique is not, is not trying to like read motivation or like, or, like subtle, um, uh, tendencies in certain directors or, uh, or films, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a quote from, so what I, what I discern to be Matt's thesis in, in this book which you know might be arguable, but right at the beginning he says, uh, film theory must focus on theorizing ideology by way of film criticism. And then to quote the book directly, uh, he says, Zizek's relevance to film studies comes by way of his rethinking of the project of theory and the role of film studies within this project. And I think what we ideally will get to by the end of this conversation is is what is emphasized by Matt at the end of the book is the emphasis on theory. The best expression of that I came across was his chapter called um, Class Struggle in Film Studies. And he's talking about the dynamic between um, theory as it's expressed in like like 70s, 80s, Lacanian um, type approach and post-theory, which is um, can, be, can be seen as a kind of outcrop of like the post-structural, post-modern approach to film. Um, and he's, he, he expresses the dynamic between um, theory as it, as it arises via the Marxist critique and post-theory through the, uh, the postmodern critique and, and says that this interaction is class struggle and that the type of analysis of film is an expression of that and that we can understand the dynamic here to be um, uh, manifestations in the same way that, that, we, that we've talked about in terms of like um, political manifestations of the, the the rift in terms of like uh, the, the dynamic of class struggle. So he has a he has a right. he has a quote from Lu, uh, Louis Althusser here um, at the beginning of the chapter. It says the class struggle has not only an economic form and a political form, but also a theoretical form. Or if you prefer, the same class struggle exists um, and must therefore be fought out by the proletariat in the economic field, in the political field. And in the theoretical field, when it is fought out in the theoretical field, the concentrated class struggle is called philosophy. Philosophy is, in the last instance, class struggle in the field of theory, which I think is a fantastic description of like broadly what Zizek is doing. Yeah. In terms mm-hmm. of like our discussions generally about theory and like what like what are you doing when you're reading and, and thinking about and writing and interacting with theory? Is it is it political? Is it is it, uh, you know merely a distraction or is there some somehow kind of concrete or political concern going on there right well he goes on to say that this is quoting matt that theory is precisely that which makes possible symbolic intervention into the realm of the real um as fabio vigi points out a political act um which i guess is somewhat in line with what you were just saying although i think that the role of uh psychoanalysis would inflect quite differently what Zizek is doing with with critiquing film than what Althusser might might do if he if he did well that's true but uh 
I, I will counter with a quote. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this, is from, this is Matthew. I should point out, though, that the terms of the debate between theory and post-theory center on psychoanalysis and film studies rather than the Marxian critique of ideology. Um, as in, as in the, the question of psychoanalysis is the kind of crucial crux of the, of the class dynamic here between theory and post-theory. Mm-hmm. However, M- Matthew continues here. I interpret the, the focus on psychoanalysis as one that speaks more generally to the critique of ideology. As I argue further down, mm-hmm. psychoanalysis operates within the Marxian critique of ideology, especially for Zizek, as a version of dialectical materialism appropriate to the era of post-modernity. So, like, the question of psychoanalysis here is is the Marxian um, critique of ideology for Zizek, not, not that we can reduce Zizek's approach as the as the Marxist approach, but mm-hmm. psychoanalysis is being used for Zizek not only as a as a a method of the critique of ideology, but also for Matthew here the kind of um, crucial concern of class struggle in film theory. Mm-hmm. Interesting, which, that, which interesting. I think is extremely interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's also the role this role of um, of desire in film, right? Because one of other Zizek's refrains about film is that film teaches us how to desire. So I wonder how that fits into the ideology critique. What do you think? Well, like in capitalism, I mean, the whole crucial um, approach to the critique of ideology is questioning how we desire and what we desire, right? Like we're mm-hmm. not, our desires aren't natural to us. They're, they're, they're given to us through capitalism, right? Like, like right. ideology teaches us how to desire, right? And like that's right. that's so crucial in, in say the approach to film here, where um, explicitly or not, we're often you know it's easy to imagine like like how our desires are expressed or like given to us. We are interpolated by film in terms of desire, and right. and the whole and the whole counteraction of psychoanalysis and the critique of ideology is to navigate and uh, counter how our desire is given to us and how we can not get rid of desire because you can never get rid of it, but how, uh, how you can start to desire different things. Well, there's, there's a relationship between the organization of desire and the symbolic realm, right? Is that, that we, we are always already existing in the symbolic realm. We're initiated into the symbolic realm, which is essentially the structural organization of desire, which which on on some level can be understood as as ideal always always already ideological, right? And so mm-hmm. that there's a relationship between the symbolic order, ideology, and enjoyment that film with its with its I think the potential for film to um, instantiate events the real with which which kind of. I think p- the film can be positioned between the symbolic and the real in mm-hmm. this way that allows for us to see how enjoyment is structured in the symbolic, right? It's not, it's not simply just about critiquing the uh, functions of the symbolic realm. It's about understanding how the symbolic realm... It's, like, the, it's the symbolic yeah. uh, uh, network around the kind of real kernel of desire. And, Exa- exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. so film for man and, and so film for Zizek can function as a sublime object of ideology, as a as a parallax yes. object, as an object 
that that shows us on some level how the symbolic order is organized, right? And around what mm-hmm. it is organized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, can you so we'll, can you explain how how it might be a parallax object? Well, that's I think one of Matt's points, right? Parallax should be in contrast to subjective relativism, insofar exactly. as what it what it shows you is that the the gaze of the subject is always already inscribed in the object, right? Is yes. that is it? So it's not just about subjective relativism insofar as perspective is changed. It's that the object is always already imbued with the desire or the gaze of yeah. the the viewer, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, in terms of the description of parallax view or object. Um, I want to shout out Matthew here for using a fantastic example in his book. Um, and it was in reference to, so unfortunately, I forgot the person's name, but it's an example in which you point your arm up above you and you open one eye and then you close that eye and open the other. And the the perspective of your arm shifts, but it's not like, it's not like your arm has separately from you switched, but mm-hmm. rather that um, through your change in perspective, the object itself is also shifted and that's that yeah, yeah. like philosophically that's how zizek um thinks about engaging with like putting two uh, views together putting two kind of like theoretical approaches together and having them having them like interact with one another as a kind of parallax shift in how you relate with that theory but also it's also a psycho- psychoanalytical uh claim about subjectivity as well well that's exactly, exactly yeah so because because the way Matt describes it is that the parallax object uh, instantiates a coincidence between idealism and materialism, which is what, which is like Hegel, Hegel's subject and substance is that we have a, a coincidence between the subject and the object and film as a parallax object shows us much like, much like the, your example of the finger when we close one eye and open the other is that we see that the object is always already imbued with the desire of, of the gaze. Right. And yeah. so, if we approach film in that matter, we see like what the film actually shows us if we're looking at it awry, so to speak, is that our our desire is always already wrapped up in it. And yeah. so if if we understand film from the perspective of a critique of ideology, we can feel or see or experience how film organizes our enjoyment. But that will either be in line with a particular ideology or like a, so a constituted ideology or from from Zizek and Matt's perspective we're going to understand a cons- how how ideology is constitutive of that desire right so mm-hmm. we can Ooh, see yeah, like yeah. when we watch an avengers film like how our desire is like explicitly organized right like any any like sort of like obviously ideological film you can almost like unless you you have nothing in between the two your two ears like you can feel how enjoyment <laughs> is organized it's funny with those movies because they're so they're so like overly they're meant to be so enjoyable and yet they're absolutely unenjoyable to, to watch totally they're, they're, to, they're, they're loaded just, yeah they're so they're, they're so satisfy. focused groups yeah they're, because they're trying to include like everyone's enjoyment at once um but, right but, but, a proper, but a proper parallax object is is equated to the object patia which is a suspension of desire right is to keep desire um you know delayed and I, well, it can, we never, it can never ultimately be fulfilled. Like, desire, the desire isn't to be, uh, like, there's no ultimate end to your desire. And I, I think uh, playing off that approach uh, in terms of considering the symbolic order is like, there's no, you know, there's no absent 
approach, either absent symbolic order or desire, that 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 we can somehow step beyond. And I, I think we made that point um, in a way already. But like the whole crucial thing here is is the ordering of that desire rather than whether or not desire can can be like fulfilled or denied or or um, you know done away with. Right. And, and what and wasn't he trying to make that point to us before? Do you remember that, Matthew? What film was he talking about? We talked about... Oh, it was Casablanca, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That yeah. Be, yeah. It was Casablanca because at the end of Casablanca, um, she leaves. Yeah. And it, the thing that is disruptive about that film and the thing that makes it so great is that it doesn't sort of inaugurate the classic or repeat the classic uh, production of a couple at the end of a yeah. film, right? Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon for the rest of your life. Enjoy the music for a minute. I was oh, yeah, thinking I, of maybe just trying to explain the, the lighthouse and Annihilation again as the difference between showing, try, like, the film trying to show you the end point of desire and the lighthouse film, which which right. uh, doesn't start, deliver it. You know? yeah, that's a great example. You should you should you should sound off on that. Well, briefly, without trying to describe the the plots of two films, in case people haven't seen them, but I think that a good example of good filmic examples of of this are two films that came up pretty close to each other. One's called Annihilation, and the other is um, Annihilation with Natalie Portman, and the other is The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And yeah, without going too far into it, um, Annihilation is about some unknown, uh, some unknown force which is kind of colonizing this this territory that the, the military is sending in these explorers into. That are they're trying to figure out the source of this of this issue or the source of this infection in this in this area and um natalie portman's character after you know going through trials and tribulations losing all the rest of her of her of her cohort uh arrives at the end of the film at a lighthouse and um finds the end specifically what is is causing the the uh, sort of hallucin hallucinogenic uh, infection of this of this whole of this whole territory, and what she sees is basically a man in a morph suit, um, <laughs> and he's kind of he kind of dances around for I and I shit you not like eleven minutes, and you've got the kind of like wow and there was something so deeply disappointing about it, you know, because this, like the, it, the sound of your satisfied desire. Uh, <laughs> exactly, and it was so unsatisfying. Whereas with, whereas with uh, the lighthouse, which if anyone hasn't seen from 2019, is such a good movie. Um, you've got Robert Pattinson being taken to a mysterious island at the beginning, um, which maybe in interjecting terms you could you could read as as being sort of uh, in, taken into a symbolic space, and. Um, he discovers throughout the course of the film that William Defoe's character, a man who's been tending to this lighthouse for, we're unsure how long it could be days or weeks or years or decades, um, and he has a some kind of sexual relationship with something 
in the lighthouse or in the light or at the top of the lighthouse. It's unclear. Um, but we see at various points in the film some kind of communion or or sexual union with with whatever is up there. And Robert Pattinson eventually tries to figure out what's up there, and he takes various turns to to attempt to get to the top of the lighthouse, and he can't get up there um, until finally he does. And it's the final scene in the movie, um, and he's gazing upon whatever it is at the center of the film of the lighthouse, and we don't see it. But it's a very, very, it's a powerful moment. And it's, I think, deeply psychoanalytic, too, that he has this confrontation with it. And he is, I mean, it's a horrible confrontation. He's he's screaming. And we can only see his face, but we can't see the object of his desire. So it's like being met for him with the object of his desire, much like we were met with the object of, the desire, of our desire watching Annihilation, is... It's a confrontation with something, but for us, the viewer is it's it's delayed or it's or it's it's absent, right? And there I is think no it's, sexual it's much more exactly. It's much more instructive in the lighthouse than it is in in annihilation. I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys, but I thought it might be a way of, of going through the difference there with desire. No, oh, no, I, no. Think, I think that was great. Well, um, and that, and that relates to the wrong man, right, Pete? The 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 beginning of the wrong man. Oh yeah, well I mean. Uh, we had we had a discussion with Matthew as well in terms of the uh, Hitchcock film The Wrong Man, which he writes about in his book. Um, and for for Matthew and Zizek, their reading of The Wrong Man, which is actually uh, made uh, in very close proximity to like you know like peak Hitchcock, like Vertigo, Birds, all that stuff, um, where uh, Hitchcock is usually like. Like, he makes cameos in his films. Like, you know, he's getting on the bus in Vertigo. He's very, it's like, where's Waldo? Like, very, very brief encounters. But but the beginning of The Wrong Man, he he's doing, like, this kind of, um, like, sitting on a chair, uh, speaking directly into the camera, um, describing, like, what is going to happen in the film and how the audience should relate with it. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's being explicit and... Um, for for uh, Matthew and Zizek, it, it it totally fails in in uh, actually fulfilling the kind of classic um, Hitchcockian uh, maneuver um, that you know is, is is just like like firing on all cylinders when it comes to like Psycho or Vertigo or The Birds, all that. Um, but it's like the exception, the failure of Hitchcock that um, uh, expresses what is actually so brilliant in him. But you know, there's actually something very Hegelian about that in terms of like like um, Hitchcock's failure to function or um, actually approach film as he as he normally would actually uh, relates the kind of like truth that's evident in his in his filmic approach. Right. Which 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 is what I mean. I, he, Matthew talked about the MacGuffin. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Just okay. The whole core of 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 Hitchcock's. Um, uh, approach is the mistaken identity, the the mis- like the mistaken interpolated character, like it, like it is in North by Northwest, where uh, Thornhill, yeah, yeah, uh, it's Thornhill yeah. is mistaken for Kaplan, and but it's just because he raised his hand in a completely different context, but he becomes he becomes Kaplan, who's not even a real person. He's kind of simultaneously um, himself and not himself, but he's also he's also Kaplan, and then there's this whole like that's a really core. Hitchcock 
approach, the, the mistaken identity. And what, what happens, what's wrong with the wrong man is that um, there's no mistake. He actually tells you what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, this, the parallax object and the object of the is ties into this like understanding film as uh, as a parallax object or some films, right? Because I think we need to we need to emphasize the fact that Zizek privileges examples of film of of various films and repeats those examples, right? Which is mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the materialist turn here is that the materialist repeats examples because what they prove is that there's a universal that would be uh, that that applies to any symbolic order. Right. And, and that right. why these examples are repeated is because they, on some level, exemplify something like a pure parallax object or the objet putia, which is to go back to, to the discussion of the wrong man and, and the uh, Hitchcockian MacGuffin. Yeah, which, exactly. Which the MacGuffin is, you know, what is it? The, the anecdote is that there's two men on a train and mm-hmm. one man asks the other about his, his suitcase or, or like the package that he has. And he asks, you know, what is that? And the man says, it's a MacGuffin. And the the first man says, well, what's a MacGuffin? And the the man with the package says, it's something, you know, what is it? It's the, it's a tool for hunting. It's yeah, it's used to for hunting lions in the Scottish Highlands. And the, and the, the first man says, well, there are no lions in the Scottish Highlands. And the man says, well, well, now you know exactly how effective a MacGuffin is. And, and we have a quote here from, from Matt. That says the MacGuffin is a nothing that confers on the coordinates of the symbolic reality an efficient intersubjective relation. So it's a, a pure void that functions as the object cause of desire or as, exactly. as the object. But yeah, it's a cause which yeah. in itself it does not mm-hmm. exist. It's not an actual object, but it is present only in its effects. And so it right. organizes, you know, it organizes essentially the symbolic order or the fantasies that that sustain reality and so like kaplan like like the kaplan exactly right yeah. so we, we see a certain kind of void functioning in such a way that it buoys up all that you know the events or the effects uh but but it itself is non-existent and so going back to the discussion of like well why film and and why the films that zizek constantly re- like relies on as um as a short as a way to like short short circuit explain various theoretical uh, concepts, mm-hmm. uh, why, why certain films, why certain directors, is because we, ha- we see that there's a particular way in which film can operate like an objet putia, that it can operate as a singular uni- or, or universal singular, right? A sort yeah, of yeah. A singular entity mm-hmm. that persists as universal regardless of the multitude of interpretations, the sort of the overdetermination that is, that is like, um, I think... Uh, specific to a sublime object is is that we have an object that there's something excessive about it regardless of all the the right. the ways in which we can view it and so mm-hmm, right. there's once again to 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 draw the contrast between films that are an example of how a particular ideology organizes our enjoyment and then films that show us how enjoyment is organized exactly uh, 
you know, like, so, yeah, like that's I like think- in the lighthouse, like I was trying to explain is like the lighthouse is this totally overdetermined object and it functions exactly as MacGuffin as well. It's the and this in the sense of the object cause of desire, but we never actually access it. Right? Yeah, it's um, overdetermined where- by by a multiplicity of like symbolic meanings. And through that, like that is the symbolic or it's the sorry, the surplus enjoyment of the object itself. Right. There's something yeah. always excessive about these examples, right? Yeah. That they exceed all the multitude of, of interpretations. And I think that this is why we get a, a relate, why we're, why we are teasing out here a relationship between film, at least the film that Zizek like to talk about and jouissance. And so like, I think in order to get like, what, what's the, the, the next step for us in this conversation is, um, I think back to the original question, why, why film is, is that there's a potential in film to uh, direct us to to encounter this this relationship between the object and subject, between the between the 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 the, the realities that structure, or sorry, the, the the fantasies that structure our reality, um, and how we are always already involved in them. Um, yeah, guys- there's a there's yeah there's a I think a good example of that. Um, and we, we, I think we wanted to get into this with Matthew, but, but we didn't have a chance. But um, certainly we discussed it in the Sublime Object of Ideology, um, Zizek's uh, discourse on the Titanic, right? The Titanic as a sublime object, but also the kind of symbolic universe of the Titanic was, was opened up before, like, the actual Titanic sank um, via, like, like just pop in, in the popular imagination, like the horizon of an event like that was opened up, for example, in a story that was written, you know, shortly before the Titanic actually sank of, uh, of a large ship called the Titan, you know, pretty much the same size, hits an iceberg and, 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 goes, and goes down off the coast, of, you know, on the Atlantic. Um, and I think similarly, uh, a kind of filmic example of that is like all the, the, the profusion of pre like pre 9-11 films about terrorism and airplanes and large buildings coming down and like that symbolic universe was like already open in order for 9-11 to happen in, so that 9-11 itself is almost kind of like a cinematic event mm-hmm. and that that i think there's a real exchange there between um the enjoyment or the or the kind of symbolic universe that we that we you know, in the 90s, everyone was kind of like enjoying in film. And then the actual event, you know, historical event happens. And, it, you know, your reaction is that it looked like a film. Yeah. 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 Well, I wanted to say about 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 uh, Hitchcock's introduction to the wrong man is that he actually elides the sort of the potential for a critique of ideology by saying, you know, this thing is is based. This movie is based on real events. You know, we all think about like, and there's a paradigm there, right? Like every Law and Order, the CSI, like it's like these. You know, we're supposed to. What the the director is telling us that, the the fiction that we're about to witness is essentially just a staging of reality, and it's like you know, that, I think, he li- yeah, that he lies. I think the, this is why film and art like you know sucks so much right now it's like it, it with the recourse to like so-called true events it's like it completely forecloses the um like symbolic like efficacy of those of those pieces of art exactly the symbolic so like i think that what happens with with, with film and with cinema is that it's all about symbolic efficacy efficacy it's all about the um like 
like why I think Matt says at the at the end of the book, like there's something cinematic about Zizek's theory. Is yeah, that, right, it, yeah, right, right, and Zizek so, himself, right, and Zizek himself, Zizek as yeah. image, which we get through Sophie Fiennes's you know films, uh, um, Pervert's Guides, right? Is that there in cinema is a potential for? It's not saying that it's not saying that fantasies are. It's not saying that the fantasies that structure our reality. It's red pill, blue pill, man. It's the third. It's the motherfucking third pill. It's like, it's like it's not that our 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 realities can be stripped, like the illusions and the fantasies of our realities can be stripped back to present a truth, which is what I feel like that announcement of Hitchcock's at the beginning of the film is. Is like what you're seeing is in fact influenced by truth. You you can you can see the truth. I'm showing you, you that it's there. You can't expect to see this in expect, the film yet. Exactly, yeah. but it, but. What 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 is cinematic? What is cinematic par excellence is this is, is to leave everything suspended. Is to um, uh, is well, to show that, that not jagged. the fantasy that structure, not the particular fantasy that structures our reality, but that reality is in in it, in and of itself structured. structured. It's that, it's that jagged. It's that jagged little dialectical pill that we were talking about. You know the pre nine eleven like symbolic universe combining like terrifyingly with reality um you know like let's say the real that we that we kind of like culturally and symbolically experienced on 911 it's like the collision of of uh the symbolic and the real like embedded in that in that in the, the two towers coming down but Jake I feel like this is a great time to uh, hit us with that last <laughs> bit that you, yeah, were, you were you were kind of getting angling towards it with describing Zizek or Zizek's theory as as filmic almost, but as, I wonder. Yeah, as cinematic. cinematic. Well, yeah. well, we what we like what we noticed in in like what we felt when we were watching the Pervert's Guide to Cinema was like how much fun it is, mm -hmm. and and I think like the the attempt on Matt's part here at the end of the book is to say like that enjoyment is not just uh, a byproduct or a kind of a happenstance of Zizek's intervention. It is. Zizek's intervention, right? It's it's right. it's part and parcel mm -hmm. of what he's doing, and and to quote Matt here, it is precisely because Zizek does theory in the language of the cinema that his approach makes possible the conditions for the interpolation of political subjects out of the everyday. Sophie finds is quite correct when she claims that Zizek makes makes theory cinematic, as seductive as his approach to theory may be. It is the enjoyment felt in his approach that makes him such an appealing figure in critical theory. We are drawn in by Zizek initially, not because of his take on Lacan or Hegel, but because he takes elements of the everyday life world of popular culture and turns them on their head. Now, the, the last part of this book is really, 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 really fucking good. But I, I, I hate to do a long quote, but I think it deserves it. Matt, Matt goes on to say, theory makes enjoyment the very raison d'etre of radical change. We are ethical subjects, not because of some objective neutral sense of what we ought to do, but because of our attachment to an impossible jouissance for which we cannot do anything but act. This, then, has to do with a subjective realism that bears on one's own objective position within the existing relations of production, and sticking to the analytical position of drive allows one to subjectivize the truth of one's objective conditions of existence. It should be no question, then, as to why the evacuation of theory from film studies is one of the most ideological attempts to rid the discipline of the political. Man, hot fire. Fucking it's a good, it's a great ending to a book right there, yeah. Hot fire. <laughs>
I, I don't know why it, why I can't even remember why I was so goddamn excited about the ending of that book. But um, well, I think crucial to what you're saying there is 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 the, I mean, as we've been discussing the kind of role of enjoyment, not only as as like the way in which the critique of ideology engages with enjoyment, but also that like like Zizek's approach is enjoyable, right? Like it's it's I think it's no mistake that we all came to Zizek through his through his film uh, analysis because it's so enjoyable because it creates that that kind of point at which we as the subjective viewer can at least have the potential for that kind of intersection of what is he saying the of like like uh, our everyday life world and and politics right right mm-hmm. right yeah yeah enjoy enjoyment <laughs> why what yeah. film and enjoyment and theory and enjoyment enjoyment and ideology it's like something about Zizek's approach to film is supposed to wait to to bring us to the to how enjoyment is central to the to to what is ideological um i don't really and also the, also the maybe even central but, to to the critique of ideology i don't even i don't know is no, that possible yeah i think that's definitely true because i mean as like theory i mean like he's making theory fun right like it's enjoyable like the the actual experience of not only viewing him but like approaching these ideas via theory is a kind of twisting of enjoyment freeing it from its ideological like sway or being merely a function of ideology in that mm-hmm. we are taught how to enjoy through it but that in, like through our the, the kind of maneuver of this enjoyable approach we can actually come to form a kind of political um counter to ideology yeah. yeah and and this is making me feel like at some point sooner or later we should talk about the role of enjoyment in politics because i i know that todd has talked a lot about that and of course zizek does as well so maybe that's something to tackle in the near future but i think this is a good place to end what do you guys think i think so and um uh w- once again i i want to thank matthew for having joined us and for you know supplying this fantastic book for us i know that he has he you know his views he he understands his views have kind of evolved from this but i think this is not only a great film theory book a great zizek book but like a fantastic encounter and introduction to zizek's philosophy and um and uh yeah we um we want to thank our patrons and um thank all of our listeners you can check us out on patreon on youtube uh, Twitter. I just I just started us a uh, a Facebook group today. So Holy moly! Zero viewers on that, but you know I think we've got to get more comfortable with plugging ourselves here. So uh, thanks for everyone listening. I'm Peter. That's Jake. That's Will. And we're Jack and so on. See you later. <laughs>